Mark chapter 10, 32-40 They were on the way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again he took twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teachers, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with a baptism? I am baptised with. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism. I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong for whom they have been prepared. So today we have the the second uh, of our sermons in the series called Travelling Light. Last week we talked about giving up uh, stuff that holds us back. And today, funnily enough, there was a clue earlier. uh, I want to talk about letting go of distractions, letting go go of the kind of mental uh, clutter and things that that take our attention. Uh, It's often hard to focus I assume I'm not just speaking about myself, that, that you find it sometimes hard to focus on, on things. Hard to focus on the sermon sometimes. And I understand that. I don't want you sticking your hand up to say, yes, that's me, because, you know, I can tell, right? Because what, what people who are in the pews forget is that I can see everything. And so actually sometimes it's hard for me to focus, because I see you talking. I see the sweeties being, I have to say, it's not quite so bad here. In, in, my, in, in my, my last congregation, there were a row of ladies who, who had pan drops. And you could tell from the pan drops, because that, that was, and, and they judged how long the sermon was by the number of pan drops they could get through. But they didn't realize that I could see it all, right? It's hard to focus sometimes. And so sometimes if I get loud, I'm actually trying to wake up the person who's asleep. But if we focus, I hope, not just on the sermon, but in life, it becomes worth it, worth the fight. And so today, talking about letting go of the distractions that actually can destroy us. I looked up a dictionary for for a definition of what a distraction is, and it says this. Something that turns your attention away from something you want to concentrate on or an activity which is intended to entertain and amuse you. Now, you think that's okay. Sometimes we need a distraction. Sometimes life is just really difficult 
And we need something to take our attention from all of the struggle and all of the stuff that's going on, and we need that distraction. And that's okay. But there are times when we need to be focused, and we're not. The Bible tells us that we have a a spiritual enemy who tries to distract us from living for God, for living for things that matter most. He wants to pull apart and divide our mind and our thinking, to discourage our souls, to disengage our faith, to distract us from the things that matter most. In fact, I've said before, the devil doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. So sometimes we wonder why there's not the persecution in this country that we see in other countries. Well, what's the point if we can be very easily distracted? If he can distract us, eventually he neutralizes the church. And I want to just continue to do with a story A powerful story that shows the love of Jesus and his encouragement to stay focused on those things that really matter. And it's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. It starts in verse 38, if you want to look it up uh, later. It's about two sisters, and they are hosting Jesus at what appears to be some sort of, well, nowadays we would call it a dinner party. This is Edinburgh. You know, we'd have called it tea in the West, but dinner party for Edinburgh, you know what I mean. Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way, and everything's getting uh, ready for, for, for Jesus coming. He came to the village where a woman named Martha had said, come to my home. Well, what, what a great invitation. It's always good to invite Jesus into your home and into your life. So she did a good thing. Come to my home. But she had a sister who was called Mary. And Mary sat at Jesus' feet, listening to him and to what he was saying. But there's a word up there on the screen, and I would like us to say it together. Distracted. One of them was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted, and I don't blame her. I mean, we understand. If Jesus was coming to my house, I would be anxious as well. You would want everything to be just right. I can imagine, you know, she's taking one casserole out, and she's trying to get the pudding back in. She's trying to make sure that the candle is still burning, that there's enough oil. The toilet paper matches the shower curtain, or whatever. You know, some people think that is important. You know, she wants to be a good host. And we understand that but she's distracted by all of the preparations that are to be made. So she goes to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my lazy, good-for-nothing sinner... We understand that too. Sister Mary, just sitting, listening to Jesus, while Martha is doing the work. Now, Martha gets a bad rap here. It's because of people like Martha 
that we can have a fair on Friday night. It's because of people like Martha that we have tea and coffee and lunch after the service. It's because of people like Martha that, that, that we have Christmas presents. It's because of people like Martha who do the work that the church is able to do what we do. We need Martha. It's not that she's doing something wrong. We need people like Martha. So Martha comes to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister Mary has left me to do all of this by myself? Tell her to help me. And in verse 41, Jesus says something that is an unusual expression of love. And I think what he says in love to Martha is what some of us need to receive today as if it was from Jesus. He says, Martha, you are so worried and upset about many things. Another version of the Bible says you're worried and distracted by so many things, but so few are needed. He could have said few things are important. Few things really matter most, or indeed maybe only one thing really matters most. And then with love, Jesus looks at Martha and says, Mary has chosen what is better. And it won't be taken from her. Martha, Martha, you know, you, you've got a good heart. You've got good intentions, but you're distracted. What is she? Distracted. She's distracted. As Julie said earlier, my phone just pinged. I, oh, I got an email. Oh, there's another ad. Oh, look, a picture of a cat. Oh, great. Wonderful. I love cats. That's great. Just, I'll just, I'll just check. Oh, that's, oh, it's a video. Oh, great. Look at it. She's got a ball of wool. <laughs> Who knew? Isn't that brilliant? Oh, I'll just, I'll just check. Oh, oh, look, there's an, oh. And what a hashtag. That's a brilliant hashtag. I wish I'd thought of that. Oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll steal that one. Oh, that's great. Okay. And then, oh, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I've got a bit of Christmas shopping to do. Oh, and then, then we've got to take the kids to the football. Oh, and the other one's got to go to the dance. And then we've got a party. And then, well, how are we going to feed them? Maybe we need to drive through the drive through in order to feed them on the way to... And then maybe it's... As we did this morning in my house, does my jumper work? <laughs> do my shoes work? Does what I'm wearing work? Am I going to be popular enough? Am I living the right way? Do I have enough stuff? Because if I had more stuff, maybe I would be happier. What are people going to think? What, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Martha, you're distracted and upset about so many things. But only a few really matter. And Mary chose what is better. As I said, what's interesting is that Martha isn't doing something wrong. She's not doing something bad. She was doing something good. But she wasn't doing what was best. And we have to recognize that so often the most difficult choices that we have to make aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. Choices that are hardest aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. 
If your enemy can't make you bad, he'll distract you from best. He'll distract you from using your life to do the things that properly honor God and make an eternal difference. So how do we do with God's help what is best when every spiritual force of darkness wants to stop us from doing that? Well, I think there are three things. The first thing is this, that we should work on diminishing the distractions. So I want to diminish the distractions. I want to distance myself from things that would cause me to be distracted. And if you're like me, you'll know what they are. And they'll be different for each of us. The directness of the Apostle Paul, he he was talking in a different context. He was talking about relationships and marriage. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he he says that that, that they are to, to think about whether or not being married whether it's, it's a good thing, yes, but, but whether it's the right thing, whether it's the best thing, whether actually maybe being married is going to distract you from doing the work that God has called you to. It's not a legalistic thing. He's simply asking the question. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you to serve the Lord best. I don't want you just to accept average or mundane or normal. I want you to do what helps you to serve the Lord best, with as few distractions as possible. I want you to focus on the things that that God has given you, the gifts, the talent, the ability that God has given you to serve Him. Nowadays, sometimes it seems as if we have a new trinity, Father, Son, and the mobile phone. Do you know, What did we do for 2,000 years before it existed? I mean, people survived. Honestly, they survived. But yet nowadays, when I go out without my phone, it's like a part of me is missing. And you you kind of begin to twitch because I'm on my phone. And it's not that I actually use it very often when I go out, but it's just, it's there and I know I've got it if I need it. I mean, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I did Google that other search engines are available. But I Googled just to see. And it says the average person can't go 10 minutes without checking their phone. Now, I don't do that. And I suspect that lots of you here don't do that. So how many times to get an average of 10 minutes of somebody looking at their phone? But maybe if you're thinking, I'm not very productive... Maybe it's because every 10 minutes you're taking your phone out, looking at it. Interrupted, distracted. What about social media? I enjoy social media. The church is on social media. We post things occasionally. Um, and and that's, that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with, with social media as a thing. But again, Google tells me the average person spends more than two hours a day on social media. And that if you start when you're in your teens and continue till you're 80, you'll have spent seven years looking at social media. Seven years of your life. Now, by anybody's measure, that is not a good use of time. And again, 
I don't spend two hours a day looking at it. So some of you guys must be on there an outrageous amount of time to get that average down. And yet it's there. It's a fact. It's a feature of life. And so I have to keep telling myself that that my life is too valuable. My calling is too great. My God is too good to waste my time and my life being distracted by things that don't matter. And I hope you feel that. I hope you internalize it and listen. Your life is too valuable. God created you. He gave you passion. He gave you talent. He gave you gifts. He gave you a calling. He, he put you here at, in this place at this time in history for a reason. Don't waste time with distractions that are not going to be of any value to you or to other people. You know, Apple has a little, other phones are available too, Apple has a little app that tells you how much screen time uh, you, you've, you've spent each week. And sometimes I look at it and go, sorry, what? And you think, how, how, did I, how did I do that this week? And again, it's, not, it's nothing like the average amount of time, but it's really, really, have I, have I spent that time? So we need to try and distance ourselves from things that would distract us from what matters most. Some of us might need to get, uh, you know, some noise cancellation features because we work or live with people who have the spiritual gift of loud. Some people are just loud, <laughs> you know, and we need, to, we need to get away from that. Some of you actually maybe need to think about people who are around you, people who distract you. Of course, as followers of Christ, we are called to love all people and to be friendly to all people. But if our inner circle is full of people who are not helping us, then we need to think about the time that we spend with them. We want to be with people who sharpen us in our love and our focus, our commitment to God that lead us to serve Jesus more effectively. You can't live the right life when you always have the wrong friends. And it's worth the fight. So the first thing is diminish distraction. The second thing is to focus on what's important. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, Solomon says this, the wisest man who ever lived says this, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And that's what we have to do. Set our gaze ahead. The author of Hebrews puts it this way, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And with him we run the race and walk in his path and his way. Peter learned that the hard way. Jesus walking on the water towards them. And Peter, as you would expect, goes, Lord, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And the wind's blowing and the waves are high and Jesus says, it's me. So what do you do? What do you do at that moment? Like Peter goes, all right. Now, see, this is one, it's one of these stories where I would like more information. So if the waves are high and the wind's blowing a gale, how did he get out of the boat and stand on the water? 
I mean, that, that would be useful information, I think. I mean, did, did they put a wee tippy-toe in first? And can I go, oh, oh, that's solid. I mean, what, how do you do that? And it doesn't tell us, but all it tells us, he got out in the boat and he walked towards Jesus. And when he focused on Jesus, he was fine. But then it says, but when he saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink. So while he was focused on Jesus, he was fine. And then when he was distracted, he began to sink. And then you see, what happened? See, I mean, if he went into the water, it's like, did Jesus drag him along? Or did Jesus lift him up out of the water and walk with him? I mean, why do we not know that stuff? But he got back in the boat. And, you know, we, we kind of laugh at Peter because, well, he, 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 he just messed it up, didn't he? But 11 of them stayed in the boat and never even tried. Two people walked on water. Jesus and Peter. Some of us feel as if we are sinking. Always overwhelmed. Always behind with stuff. Always just less than we could or should be. Always thinking there's something more. Why is it that we feel that we're sinking all the time? Could it be that we're looking at the wind and the waves rather than at Jesus? Matthew 6.33 says that we are to seek God's kingdom first. And that's why the first thing of our day shouldn't be Instagram or Facebook, but Jesus. And saying, Jesus, today I align myself, my heart, my life with you. Help me today with the words to say. Take me to the people I'm expected to meet. Show me how to live for you in this day. Transform my heart and my life so that I can serve you. And the first day of the week, how do we do that? Well, we gather together with God's people, around God's word, and with God's praise on our lips. We worship God together. We hear his word. We align our week by saying we're going to gather and start our week and give it to God. You see, you, you, you don't just wander into righteousness. You don't stumble into effectiveness. You don't fall into bringing glory to God. You've actually got to do that. You've actually got to work for that. You've actually got to decide to serve him. Jesus saying, Martha, can you feel how much I love you? But you are so freaked out about so many things that don't matter. So we're going to ditch distraction, focus on what's important, and lastly, give everything we have to listen for the voice of God. To listen for the voice of God. In Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verse 21, it says that our ears will hear a word behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. So when we come to a decision, when we come to a crossroads, God speaks. When we listen for his voice, God speaks. Whether you, when you turn to the right or the left, our ears hear God's voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Sometimes it's a, it's a really quiet whisper. 
Sometimes it's really loud and right in your face. But God speaks. But we need to listen. God is a God who speaks. When he created the world, it was because he spoke. And we hear God speak when we open his word and when we read it. And when we ask him to help us to understand what he's saying. And how through the word that we've read, he is leading us and guiding us. And he speaks to us through his word. And he speaks to us through people. Friends. Colleagues. He speaks to us in church and in the street and at home. He can speak to us wherever we are if we are listening for him. So this week, when you're facing a decision and you're not clear, take time, stop, and speak to God and ask him to speak and to make clear his will for you. The, uh, the pastor and author Craig uh, Groeschel tells a story. and uh, He says, this, I, I obsess about the view that we have in our house. When you come in, it's a weird thing. I know, don't, don't judge me. You have your own weird things. If I got up uh, into your business, you would have weird things too. But when, when you walk into my house, you overlook the living room and there there are French doors with glass that overlooks the backyard. It's a very beautiful view when I come in. It calms me. The only problem is we have six kids. And do you know what's always on that glass? Handprints. Handprints. All sizes and ages of handprints on the glass. And I say to Amy, who's his wife, surely there's a way. We'll make the kids clean it every day. Well, I'll pay for somebody to clean it. I don't care. I want it to be clean. So she said to me, well, you try it. You do it. So I cleaned one window, and I cleaned the second window, and by the time I got to the third one, there were handprints on the first one. And a little voice, I promise you, I heard a little voice that said, embrace the handprints, because one day they won't be there. And when they're not there, you will wish like crazy they'd be back. In other words, Craig, you're worried and upset about many stupid things. You're distracted by the things that don't matter. Tap, tap, scroll, scroll, look at me more and more. But there are really only a few things that matter. You have the ability to choose. You see, it's easy to miss out on what God's saying. In our reading, the disciples were told quite clearly that when Jesus went to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested and he was going to be killed. He was quite clear. He knew that it was coming and he told them quite clearly that's what was happening. And it must have been shocking news, but we don't find them trying to work out what he meant. They probably didn't really understand uh, that he wasn't talking figuratively because, after all, they knew that the Messiah was going to be the king and he was going to have an everlasting kingdom. So how, how could he actually die? What we find them trying to work out 
is which of them is most important. They were distracted from what was going to happen, from what Jesus had told them was going to happen. They were distracted. Which of us is the best? Which of us is most important when it comes to Jesus' kingdom? They had heard Jesus speaking, but they weren't really listening. Your life is valuable. Your calling is great. Your God is good. So why would you and I waste our lives on things that don't last? Ask God to speak to you clearly and to help you to listen. To help to choose what is best. We pray that God gives us the power by His Spirit to overcome all those forces of distraction so that one day we hear his voice saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.